He said, I support Leeds because of you. Good. I Correct support answer. Crystal Palace because of Granny. Okay. Ooh. I support Chelsea because Ooh. of my friend Jack. Oh, we this don't like Jack. This you need worse. to stop seeing this boy. But, but I <laughs> He's like a bad Manchester. But I like Manchester City. I thought you were going to say United for a second. I mean, that's still terrible. Well, so then I said, so who do you want to win if it's Leeds United versus Chelsea? And he went, Leeds. Good. That was a close call. And who do you want to win if it's Leeds against Crystal Palace? And he said, I want it to be a draw. Sounds like he narrowly escaped a foster home, if you ask me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the leading Tottenham Hotspur-themed show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. It may well, in fact, be the only one, but don't let that put you off. It's still going to have some quality content today. Unfortunately, quality content has not been provided by our beloved Tottenham Hotspur of late, and we are going to be discussing a couple of defeats. And apologies for a slight delay on this one. We did actually want to wait for the Champions League game to take place so that we could give Spurs chance to redeem themselves and the hope that we could have a slightly cheerier podcast after an absolutely woeful performance against Leicester. Unfortunately, it was not to be and therefore we have two defeats to talk about as well as an upcoming game against West Ham and various other Spursy bits and pieces. And as always, to help me with talking about all of the above are my trusty associates, Elio and Dave. Welcome back, guys. Elio, come to you first. I'm guessing we might have a little bit more of the potty mouth today. Um, usually it comes out when Dave isn't here to control me, so <laughs> so he's back. I, I think I'll be fairly well behaved today. Also, I think enough time has passed since the Leicester yeah. match for me to simmer down. Milan game was what it was, and yeah. I'm probably more annoyed with Spurs supporters than Spurs at the moment, so let's see how this goes. We might lose all our listeners this episode. <laughs> I might have to do some creative editing for the sake of politics. Dave, welcome back to the Plus Dave. Have you watched any Spurs recently? Are you are you remotely prepared for today? Yes. Excellent. I uh, Obviously, I, I couldn't watch the Leicester game because I live in the UK. Um, and I'm a law-abiding citizen. Of course. Um, but I, I was intrigued by the complete silence on the chat <laughs> during that game. I was anticipating an absolute barrage. I thought my internet might be down <laughs> and my WhatsApp wasn't connecting. Yeah. Um, so, so now I am very much looking forward to hear what you have to say about that because yeah. I've, you know, you know, I've, I've got some things to say about it too because it was not good. Well, um, the mystery was solved in the end. And in fact, the reason for the silence was that most of us in the group were in fact together watching the game over at Elio's Cousins. Where, oh, where, you, were, you were abroad, were you? You were yeah, in a different that, country. We were, we were watching through legal means, of course, clearly. And um, I won't say where, but, not but huddled, what, I will say, what I will say is <laughs> there, was, there was the usual amount of abuse, foul language and histrionics, but it was directed at each other in the TV rather than at WhatsApp. But fear not, Dave. Uh, I can assure you there was the usual level of discontent on the Very group. Very good. And I also listened to, well, I was I had the Milan game on uh, as I was cooking. Uh, and yeah. after a few minutes, I had a very, very big noise and thought, ah, that's that then. There we go. Yeah. That's that. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly impressed that you even had it on at all, given that the other game was, what was it, Bayern Munich PSG, which I imagine 99% of people were probably watching. Sounds a lot more well, interesting. Dedicated. I wish I was watching that one, to be honest. 
in I'm hindsight. Gags. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for the pod. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear it, Dave. And long may it continue. Uh, well, more on that in a minute. Let's let's go in chronological order as we always do. Uh, as much as we'd like to forget it, we do have to talk about Leicester four. Tottenham won. In reality, it was probably 5-1. Let's be honest with ourselves. The uh, Harvey Barnes goal really probably should have stood. Elio, is that our worst performance of the season? I mean, we, we've said that so many times about so many different <laughs> games this season. We keep lowering I, I, the bar. I'd say it was in the context of the fact that it felt like we turned a corner with the Manchester City game. Yeah. I'd say it was probably our most disappointing performance mm. because... All of a sudden, you think we've built up head of steam and then we're brought crashing down to earth by a team that we've been routinely beating the crap out of the last few seasons. So, yeah. so it, it, it wasn't pleasant. Um, worst performance of the season? I mean, who the f*** knows, but it, it really was just... just it, That's the problem is it wasn't forgettable. It was actually deeply emotionally scarring having to put <laughs> up with that, that pathetic excuse of a football team. <laughs> You know what? I'd, I'd almost got over it. So this is the funny thing. Like it had been long enough since the game, and obviously we had another game since. And uh, I can in, bring it all back for you. Yeah, uh, in the build up to this podcast, I obviously doing my due diligence watched the highlights, and it brought it all back. And I was angry again. I'd moved past it, and every single goal. I mean, even I, I guess I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk through the goals, but even the potential thunder bastard from Mendy. You could even say that we would we could have done better there, but. Most of the goals were just an absolute shambles. Dave, you, we were talking about this before we started recording. Spurs really need to stop giving Premier League players acres of space in the final third of football pitches, don't they? They really do. And and uh, and it was probably the most evident in the third and fourth goals. But yeah. even in the first one, to be honest, mm. you know, there, there is an argument. Don't get me wrong. Mendy's finish is exceptional. Thunderbastard, officially? Paris, Would you but, classify it? Uh, it was inside the box. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it qualifies for that reason. But it was it was a hell of a finish. Sorry, um, Mindy. But there's a so, solid argument that um, that Perisic didn't get out to that quick enough. You know, he he, he really should have reacted a bit better for that. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it, it's I, as I watched the highlights, I was it, it was a bit like you know that you know that meme which is. Um, Something really bad happens. Other person says, "Hold my beer." That was literally that was <laughs> literally how it backs. was. But Tottenham on Tottenham, <laughs> yeah. so it was like this. We couldn't concede a worse goal. Tottenham, yeah. hold my beer. Mm. Tottenham, hold my beer. <laughs> Tottenham, hold my beer. Mm. It was like it just got worse and worse and worse. And yeah. by the end of it, yes, you were losing four-one, but it's no excuse to not try. I'm pretty sure by the end, the whole team were holding several of Eric Dyer's beers. To be honest with you, it was he, he did not shroud himself in glory. Elio, how do you want to do this? He did, he, he, I think he sunk the beer before he before it, so he didn't <laughs> hold have to my give empty it to beer glass. Um, Elio, I was going to say we normally go through the goals one by one, which sounds like a particularly painful experience. But how do you how do you want to lambast our team today do you want to take it on a high level and just talk through the general rubbishness that we demonstrated yeah or would I don't you think rather we need detail I think high granular? level yeah yeah no, okay, no, so let's not be granular high level um, uh, tell, I mean, tell us the tale of I'm watching the highlights again as I speak at the moment actually just see to get the face, appropriate yeah. amount of rage um, <laughs> and it's just equalised and winding himself up yeah yeah that's exactly what I'm saying I mean Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, the, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, wh- where is... I'm, I, I always want to give him a chance, as you know, with Tanganga, but where the hell is he at the mm. right centre-back position for the goal that puts them 2-1 up in, in the first? It's just backpedalling, backpedalling with... I mean, James Madison, you're, you're leaving their best player by yeah. far, one of the best players in the league, 
like, I mean, criminal enough letting Ian Acho, who is a good player, just run yeah. at the defence that easily. But then letting Madison have that much. I mean, what are they thinking? It's just bad organisation all over. And then the third goal, the way Dyer just backs off, just backs off, just backs off, and lets Ian Acho just pick the exact shots he wants to take. It's really reminiscent of, um, was it against Arsenal, the goal we conceded against Arsenal, where we just let him yeah. pick as much space as he possibly could to to hit his shot. I mean, I just, I just don't know what we're doing there. And the whole kind of put your arm behind your back and yeah, sort of back off. mince mince little bits while letting them shoot always pisses me off. And then the fourth goal, oh, this is a disallowed Harvey Byron's goal that should have yeah. been disallowed. I mean, yeah. how are we being sliced through that easily? I mean, Leicester have good attackers, but it, it's amateur hour here. It, it really yeah. is. I, like I said, deeply, deeply emotionally scarring. I mean, <laughs> why, why do you suppose put me through this? All I do is give them, well, maybe not love, but emotion yeah. and... They just routinely batter me, and yeah, and and then going into the fourth goal once again, we just we la- we allowed Barnes to just place a shot from twenty yards. What are they doing? And what is where was the die who was charging out and playing as a stopper against Manchester That's City? That's the worst part. He of it, reverted isn't it? to this weird backing off sort of faux sweep of bullshit. I mean. Wake up, Eric Dyer. You're not Barese. You're not Desai. Yeah. You're, you're Eric Bloody Dyer, a six foot three knucklehead who has <laughs> a big fat arse. So get it in front of some shots. Like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Um, the whole thing was just deeply disappointing. Mm. Um, I, I'm picking on Dyer here. Ultimately, I don't want to go individual by individual because they're all shocking. The front three were atrocious. And when I say atrocious, I mean atrocious. No redeeming features from any of them. Uh, the yeah. midfield behind them, uh, especially once Benton Core went off injured for the rest of the season, yay, um, mm. were absolutely shocking. That's the yeah, worst more thing on about that the later. game. We've yeah. lost our best player for the rest of the season and maybe the start of next as well. I mean... Indeed. Yeah. hell. Um, it, it was just a sh- Conte, his his usual strange attitude to substitutions was interesting to see. I mean, we're losing this game with three one down at half time, and we've played really badly. And our first substitution was the seventy fifth minute, and it was Emerson for Poro. Though Poro was shocking, Emerson yeah. should have started anyway. It's not the but point, though. Why is do it? you wait till fifteen minutes before the end when you're losing three mm. one down, and then just do a like for like change? Then Danjuma yeah. for Kulusevski, then Sanchez for Tanganga. Why not have some balls and actually? <laughs> oh no, there was oh, sorry. Okay, Pape Sar came on for Bentancur because of the injury yeah, on the sixty fifth. They're not even like for likes. They're they're more defensive changes, if anything. Probably both of them. It's really. like just waving the bloody white yeah. flag and. And the funny thing about that is, I remember the Leicester game last season when he was about to wave the bat white flag until Bergwijn got the equaliser, <laughs> and then he changed his mind about making defensive substitutions. And then Bergwijn went and won it. This risk-averse bollocks is just so tiring. And yes, everyone shouts about, oh, Enoch back the manager, blah, blah, blah. He's had a lot of money. He's got an expensive squad. He is not getting a tune out of these players right now. And he's making inexplicably bad decisions game after game. The mere fact that he dropped Emerson after Emerson had the game of his career. Yeah. I mean, yes, we've got a shiny new toy. We all wanted to see him, but you mm. know what? Emerson, and I said this in our last episode, don't drop a guy that doesn't deserve to be dropped. Make Poro work for work for the place. E- Emerson should have started this match. And it's also hugely disrespectful to a very good attacking side in Leicester to have made that change after Emerson just had the game of his life against Manchester City. I mean... It was yep. Leicester, not Lincoln. So, 
sort it out Conte well I, I don't think we're going to see Conte in our dugout again quite frankly I think that's him done now yeah, that's another item for the, for the agenda. Yeah, all, all round a pretty shocking performance. I don't think even Steven Bergwijn could have saved us, to be honest with you. Um, I have Tanganga written down in my notes on no fewer than four occasions, and I can tell you I'm not saying nice you things about him in any of them. I do, yeah, I do. Elio. Unfortunately, my brain doesn't work quite the same way as yours. Um, I, I can't just spontaneously probably recount the rage. Probably for the future of mankind. It, it probably helps me sleep. Of mine. It probably helps me sleep better, I would say. But uh, I guess with Tanganga, we can take solace in the fact that he's unlikely to play too many games. Dyer, we talked about it. And I know you like Eric Dyer, and I know we all like Eric Dyer on a personal level. He's a great servant to Spurs, and we, we all want him to be good. But he's just become afraid of making tackles now, hasn't he? And he seems to be episodes. all over the place. Exactly. I said a few episodes ago, he's now at an age where he shouldn't have this inconsistency yeah. in his game. He should be coming yeah. into his prime and he's not. And it's just yeah. Man City enough. aside, you know, that was one great game, but it's not good enough, is it? You can have but, you can have a brilliant game or you can have an inconsistent match if you're a forward. You can be Erling Haaland and do nothing all game and then score two goals. You can't have the equivalent performance as a centre-back. You can't. And the thing is, if you're capable of that performance once, you're capable of that performance every time. And that, mm. that's, that's what really, really irks me because he could always go in with the same mindset and approach that he did against Manchester City. And then at least the mistakes would be forgivable if he overcommits on the tackle and things like that. But yeah. actually changing your style of play game to game from something that works to something that doesn't. It's crazy stuff. I want the Eric Dyer that absolutely wiped out Ramos in that England-Spain match those those years back. I, hmm. I want the Eric Dyer that was stepping out of defence to bully. Exactly. I want the Eric Dyer that um, against Liverpool many, many years ago outpaced, caught up and absolutely took out Balotelli uh, when he was just 20 years old or whatever. Like This yeah. this this incarnation. But we, we talk about him a lot and I'm tired of wasting my vocal cords on just another mediocre minus player <laughs> the problem is he's not the only problem no and I it's hard to know where to start and and uh, i've got uh as you well, know or is it maybe maybe the manager is where to start i mean the, the tactics yeah. are straight the players as well in my opinion and yeah I, i'm just tired of it uh, Dave, did the highlights that you watched show much of our, as Elio says, shiny new toy right back Pedro Porro? Because uh, I think the consensus is he didn't have the greatest debut. No, it didn't, and it didn't give any, much much opportunity to show um, show anything that he actually got up to. Um, but however, whilst I was, you know, following the games on Soccer Saturday, mm. that was being covered by uh, your friend and and everyone's friend. Mr. Gilet, Tim Sherwood. <laughs> and he, he had some strong words, didn't he? Ripped into Poro. Yeah. Like he was saying, he was saying, like, worst signing ever. Yeah. Not a, a wing back, not a right back. Yeah. Worst debut Don't he's ever what, seen. Doesn't know what he's doing. Worst debut he's ever seen. He obviously didn't see Woodgate's for Madrid. <laughs> um, uh, but. But yeah, yeah. Um, he was not complimentary, and well, I, uh, like I said, I didn't really see much of it in the highlights. But so I am going off of Sherwood. Which Dave, is I am dangerous. delighted you brought up Sherwood because I decided to <laughs> note down a quote of his from 2014 in defence of Poro. Uh, Vatongan is so poor. Can't move his feet. He looks elegant with the ball, but he just can't defend this guy. That was Tim Sherwood talking about the Tongan when he was starting out at Spurs. So uh, what I'm saying, Pedro Porro, is don't listen to that idiot. 
You've got plenty of time left in your Spurs career. I'm I sure you'll Tim do much better. I think Tim Sherwood said that better. while he was our manager. <laughs> <laughs> that was his team talk. No, I, talk. I, I genuinely believe that. I think, I, I'm serious. I genuinely believe that. I mean... Wow, that's some serious motivation tactics, isn't it? People like Tim Sherwood and Jamie O'Hara getting airtime as the Spurs representatives in the press is oh, so there's, fucking there's Jamie disarming. O'Hara in my notes as well. He, he's got oh, yeah, what he said on. about Sar and Skip when... Yep. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll, we'll get onto that. There's I, plenty I, I of time. Some, okay, you are going to get some colourful language after all today, boys. <laughs> I think this is. I think it is quite. It's quite interesting. You know, the 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 people they managed to roll out. I mean, I guess Sherwood's Sherwood's. You know, gagging for some media spotlight, and Jimmy O'Hara is you know a, a regular on Talksport anyway. Um, but the people that the people that like Talksport or Sky Sports managed to get for Leeds, they blow my mind how much they don't <laughs> know about Leeds. Like they get. But Danny Mills, Danny Mills, <laughs> my God! Left what does he know? All about the money. Doesn't care about where he's doing it. Yeah. He, he would, he would, he would give us an opinion if we flogged him thirty. And, quid. and to boot, he's a stupid, stupid man. Exactly. They, they don't know anything about football, and they don't. They're not in the know. They just don't have a clue. <laughs> they really don't. It's ridiculous. OTKs. You know, what? I love BT this. Sport to their credits. BT Sports, yeah. and they kind of share with BBC. I think, which is probably why, do seem to get pundits who have some grey matter going on between their ears, whereas yep. Sky and Talk Sport and is entertaining. just... Uh, the only thing Sky and Talk Sport are missing in terms of their shows is a page three golf, quite frankly. That That is the level of of um, insight <laughs> they can provide. They're, they're so yeah. f***ing awful. <laughs> it's very base stuff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. This is peak Spurs fan. Not only are we tearing into all of our current active players, manager and board, <laughs> we're now turning on former players just just for the hell of it, just to add to the fun. Yeah, Scott Parker lost as well. He Wednesday. did. He's yeah, he's rubbish. He, he can't hack the Champions League. Tried to step up. Clearly. Obviously. Clearly an amateur. Clearly an amateur. I'll tell you who is doing well. Michael Carrick is Middlesbrough manager. He is. And I like yeah, that because I like Michael well. Carrick. That's such an obvious good manager, though, isn't it? Like, it's it's hard to know because I know good players don't always make good managers. But the type of player he was, you'd almost bet on him having become a good manager. I yeah, think. definitely. Um, yeah. Future Spurs boss, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we might need one sooner sooner than some might think, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Um, is there anything else to say about the Leicester game? Because I think we all would like to move on. Obviously, there was a goal. We did score. Benson Kerr scored and then, of course, went and got himself injured for the next six months um, through no fault of his own. That's a huge loss, isn't it, Elio? Let's, uh, I know we're we're trying to keep it light, but that's uh, an absolute disaster, isn't it? Our best midfielder, it? top five midfielder in the league, Top class mm. player takes responsibility for making things happen. Yeah. Basuma should be very, very good, but he hasn't been so far and he's still injured for a while yet. Mm. Let's hope that the kids are all right. Well, that is probably quite a nice segue to talking about the Milan game because all the talk in the build-up to it was our midfield. Of course, Hoiberg was suspended, so we were forced pretty much to play an unproven, untested young midfield who hadn't played in the Champions League, or at least I know Skip hadn't. I believe Saar hadn't either, and they certainly hadn't played much together. Um, Skip and Saar was all the talk beforehand, but they really held their own, didn't they, Elio? They they performed very admirably, all things considered. Oh, absolutely the best players on the pitch for us. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think they really did well. They took, they did take responsibility for the ball. They were mobile. They were nippy. Saar, I mean, everything seemed to go through him from what I could say. And we had a lot of good midfield plays, just that our front three were atrocious again. Um, yep. and, uh, Skip as well. He looked so composed. Some of his, some of his passing switch play is so underrated, Oliver Skip. And I really hope that, um, both of them get regular time. You know what? Play them in a midfield of three with Hoybia at the moment. I know it means. Yeah. No midfielders yeah. on the bench, but uh, especially with Benton Core out, I think that's what we're going to need to do. It's not as if we've got enough forwards playing well right now to justify playing three forwards anyway. So go three mm. five two or sacrifice one of the defenders, maybe literally, and um, <laughs> and go four three three. <laughs> You've thrown me off my stride. Though. I had a follow up question, but I was uh, that was. Quite uh, but to... yeah, and and once again, I mean, we we had our little rant about Tim Sherwood. Now, what was it, Jamie O'Hara said beforehand? Yeah, so oh, that's what I was, was going to say. Might as well turn off now. Go. Yeah. F- yourself Jamie O'Hara you got your debut for Spurs in the midfields with um oh god it was with another young player at the time but I can't remember who uh against Arsenal in the North London derby and you're going to criticize the fact that we're giving two players who are immensely better than you could have ever hoped to be you're, you're just a fat drunk who shagged sort of the the village bike married her had three kids with her like the other players all knew not to do that you did do that and then you went on what celebrity love island or whatever bollocks you did like seriously jamie O'Hara, what what makes you think you're entitled to oxygen <laughs> never mind an opinion go f- yourself and just like that we've got our intro pre-jingle to this episode excellent vintage elio anyway let's welcome our special guest <laughs> guest. <laughs> it's mrs o'hara <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing. Even Daniel Lloyd, with all seven and a half brain cells she's got, <laughs> had the sense to dump him. That's how much of a loser Jamie O'Hara is. I do say this regularly, and I said this on Twitter, and I've said it on the podcast. It does concern me that by the time we're ever in a position to get any Spurs alumni of note onto the show as guests, Elio Willow have grossly offended all of them. However, I don't really feel the need to bring Jamie O'Hara on. I'm pretty sure I would uh, decline I his would services. I would love to have Jamie O'Hara on. <laughs> Yeah, I bet I you would. would. Love it. I would Kevin you, Keegan love it. You would love it. Absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Milan then. So we talked about those two boys. Uh, safe to say they both outshined anything O'Hara ever did in a Spurs shirt on their Champions League debuts. Very nice to see. But um, No, no, Jamie O'Hara did miss the penalty that lost us the League Cup final against Manchester United. So there he, there's something on his rap sheet. He did something of note for us. He did something Obviously memorable. Something sh- but yeah, the other penalty miss being uh, his chuckle brother David f-ing Bentley. Don't get me started on him either. What a f-ing moron he is! But um... Elio, may I remind you that you tentatively assured me there wouldn't be too much swearing today. Well, I lied. <laughs> no okay? more than twenty minutes ago. I lied. <laughs> I know you did. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. So, so Milan won Tottenham nil. Um, we weren't great. Let's not dance around it. We lacked a bit of cutting edge. But would you say? either of you, that the result was a little bit unfortunate from a Spurs point of view? Um, I don't think we deserve to lose yeah. because we were probably the slightly better team on the night. Yeah. This but, wasn't the Leicester Spurs. This was a step up. But we also didn't deserve... What was the, what was the XG? Well, that's oh, the thing. The who X- cares? No, they, they I don't actually think we deserve to win XG, either I think. because we didn't create a chance of night. I think a nil-nil would have been a fair result. Milan had the one good chance of the match. They scored it. You know what? They had a couple. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. They had a couple of chances late on. 
Unless you count the fact that in the build-up to their goal, they had about three chances, but that, that doesn't really count. <laughs> My summary of it, Ellie, I was saying this to Dave before you logged on, was that we did everything really well in the first two-thirds of the pitch which is just obviously not good enough. As soon as we got the ball in a position where we needed to do that killer pass or create something, it's like we didn't know how to do it. And a big part of it, and this seems to be a recurring thing, unfortunately, is that the one man who you used to be able to rely on to do that, in Kulusevsky, bridging the gap, is just not himself at the moment. What do you think is happening he isn't, there? Well, he's a young player, so there's going to be mm-hmm. inconsistency. He's only 22. I know he looks like a seasoned veteran sort of Grizzled. even Drago uh, <laughs> knockoff but he, he's still a kid he's going to have inconsistency so I can forgive him that he's also just had a fairly bad injury and come back yep. from it and him Son a lot of the other players inside as well Perisic um, I wonder if there's something to our best performance and most sort of assertive game plan of the season taking place with Conte not in the dugout because hmm. Without saying, not so much about the tactics, I'm sure Stellini is implementing the exact same tactics that Conte does. Yeah. But as we know, Conte is this orchestra conductor type who sits on the sidelines and tries to puppeteer every single move every player makes during the match. Mm. And I mean, Dave, you're uh, an ops director high up in the company. You know probably better than anyone that micromanaging people constantly is highly demotivating and that's how I feel at first when we needed it last season to actually get us playing some form of cohesive football fair enough it got them into a rhythm but when you keep doing it after they've kind of already shown that they're up to scratch surely that gets to a case of don't you trust us boss and they become Mm. afraid to make mistakes and they don't take risks and they don't play the pass into someone who's Mart and they go backwards a lot and they mm. they play the risk averse football that comes with fear and it just feels like massive micromanagement. I know when I've been micromanaged in my career, I've reacted poorly. And is that why and, you were twenty minutes late today? Yeah, quite. Um, <laughs> so I, I I genuinely feel that the players are just showing that kind of fear. And the one match he wasn't there. They played with a handbrake off and we outplayed the best side in the world. Interesting observation. What do you think, Dave? I think it's an interesting point. Uh, it's it, Actually, the similarities to some of the stuff that's been going around the, the Leeds camp uh, after, after Marsh got sacked, you know, because yeah. he used to say a lot that it was all about managing the stress and managing the anxiety. And I think if you say that, to everybody it's like it's like this most stressed person's coming up to you and saying stop being so stressed <laughs> it's not that easy and it, and it and it brings anxiety and it brings exactly as elio said making the safe choice or making the wrong choice and you know three or four of those add up and you've lost the game and that's it absolutely and in any walk of life whatever you're doing if you never leave your comfort zone you'll never improve if you never leave your comfort zone, you'll never actually do anything that adds value. If you never actually do something that you're a little scared to do, then you'll fail. And that's what I see from our players on the ball right now. And like I said, it feels like they've been micromanaged to death. I'm, I'm very interested to see what we do against West Ham. London Derby, team mm. that we have a lot of um, ag with their fans every season. It'll be a good atmosphere. Yeah. It'll be noisy. The players Conte won't be on the sidelines. The and Conte won't be there. So mm. You've got to start uh, asking real, real questions really... if we win that game, because that will be six out of six for forced the in inverted commas with Conte not, not just being there. if we win there. that game, but if we play well, if we yeah. actually play with some verve, then... If we take yeah. risks. 
And Stellini will be implementing Conte's tactics. He'll be picking the team that Conte wants him to pick. He will yeah. be telling the players to do what Conte wants them to do. I have no doubt about that. But I don't see him being the micromanager from the touchline that Conte is because, quite frankly, I don't think very few people can do what Conte does in that respect. It's mm. it's potty, um, quite frankly. Like... You never see Guardiola. Guardiola's animated, but and he yeah. kicks every ball sort of emotionally. But he's not there yeah. telling his players what to do. He trusts his players. And, yeah. yeah. And Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp is not the manager, or was not the manager that Conte is. <laughs> well, Harry you mean Redknapp, Leeds next though, manager. Well, quite. But Harry Redknapp absolutely let players put their foot on the gas and play the way they wanted to play. Mm. He let. He told players like Bale and Lennon and Modric and Van der Vaart and Jermaine yeah. Defoe, go out there and do what you do best. It's like Ancelotti. I love hearing interviews with Ancelotti. People ask, what's your secret? How do you get the best out of all these big characters? And he basically, it's so humble. He's just like, they're great players. I just tell them to go out and do what they do and they do it and they win. <laughs> He's obviously downplaying it a little bit, but there has to be an element of that. You know, Harry Kane is smart enough to know how to be Harry Kane to the best of his ability. And we've I've seen never what been... Kulisewski exactly. can do. On the ball. I've never, and I mean, look at what's happened to Son this season. And let, mm. let's be honest, the Son that Conte inherited last season was a Son that was already playing well and was our best player in yep. the team at that point. Yep. So he managed to not f up Son last season. He waited till summer to do it, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's just too many themes running through the side of players playing like they're scared. And yeah. Yeah. it. I don't care what anyone says, that's, that, that buck stops with the manager. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the goal because obviously we haven't gone into any detail. And um, we were talking about recording last night without Elio. We made the excellent decision to delay a day just so that Elio could be involved. But Elio was kind enough to send us a few voice notes just to use in his absence on the in, in the event that he wasn't able to make it. I just want to play one of them that I think will be a nice precursor to discussing our first goal and probably a wider topic in general. Dave, have a listen to this. Don't blame it on Dyer. Don't blame it on Davies. Don't blame it on Sanchez. Blame it on Romero. <laughs> so Elio there clearly demonstrating that his uh, his talent, his musical talent lies in the lyrics rather than in the in the delivery. Um, so, uh, perhaps a footballing Bob Dylan, one might say. Um, but yeah, blame it on Romero. Footballing I think, Bob Dylan, I'll say that. I think Romero, Romero is a player that we, we've all blown a lot of sunshine up his rear end ever since we signed him. And he obviously is very talented, uh, but he seems to be the one that gets away with it. And um, I think in, in many ways, one, one in terms of just his defensive awareness and his ability as a defender and also in this whole idea that he knows where the line is and just pushes it enough and he he sits the right side on what you call housery rather than just ill discipline dave we talked about romero a few times now he's now been booked i think in i believe 10 consecutive games one of them was of course a game where he got two bookings and got sent off uh is the veil slipping a little bit with romero we're starting to see the lunatic shine through um i think he's always looked like a lunatic I think if you go back to the first time we did a podcast after his first game, I think it was clear that he was a lunatic. But um, yeah. one of the things that I think is a bigger issue, you know, players pick up cards. That's just the way it is, you know. And if he's a and if he's a particularly aggressive footballer, he's an aggressive footballer. But I think the problem is, especially highlighted by the Milan goal, is that he's a, he's he's soft when he needs to be mm. hard, and he's hard mm. when you don't need you don't need him to be hard. Yeah. Um, and and that was a that was a perfect example. He should have just got rid of that ball. Yeah. He should have been strong, but he just got muscled. 
by Theo um, Hernandez, uh, yeah. by by a not a strong player, by and and the rest mm. is the rest. I mean, Foster pulls off an absolute world class save, yeah. but unfortunately, um, the follow up was a was a was a Milan player and it's one nil. But mm. um, but yeah, I think I think that's that would be my bigger concern. You know, defenders pick up cards. That's just that is just the way it is. I mean, we've got uh, at Leeds, we've got uh, a now. A, it seems like a double pivot of uh, American double pivot of of Adams and McKenney at the moment, and they, I mean, if you want a safe bet this weekend, yep, it's both of them to pick up yellow cards. Mm. It's it will mm. definitely happen um, because they just do. But that's fine as long as they are committed and as long as they're strong and they win their battles. And more often yeah. than not, against against Manchester United in the last two games, they won their battles. And and I think the problem here now is that Romero is. You've seen the two worst sides because he's committing fouls, mm. getting bookings, but not necessarily showing the best side of him mm. either. I think what worries so, me is that a couple of his bookings recently have been completely unnecessary. You don't mind him, you know, taking one for the team, stopping a counter attack, or just you know laying one on the opposition. It, it just seems like he they they seem a bit random now, which is what worries I think, me. I think I'll give him some slack that just because I just did with Kulisevsky a minute ago and saying that young defender early in his career obviously mm. it's a position where players mature much later than any other role as well like these days centre-backs don't hit their peak until 28-29 unless you're Eric Dyer and you don't have a peak um, so I kind of a level of slack 23-24 something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, so a level of slack on that but at the same time what he's failing to do is the basics he's not reading mm. the game well at all he's not winning anything in the air when he needs to and that's terrible for a centre-back uh, um, any centre-back I mean Cannavaro was a midget but he won his headers and yeah, the other the thing is Romero is these bookings you can live with them if he's doing the basics right but he's not he's charging out and reading it badly and taking the you know what I can charge after every single ball and not care whether I injure someone in the press of going for it or not and just throw my body at it. Like, that's not skill. That's just having a gung-ho approach to every single time the ball's anywhere near you. We might as well just put a cocker spaniel there to chase after the ball. I mean, there's nothing intelligent about what Romero's doing there. And and I I don't applaud that in the slightest. I, I think Romero has a lot of talent. I think he's good on the ball. And I think that defensively he has shown that he can be good but right now he's having a bad season and I think he's having just as bad a season as Eric Dyer is a worse season than Ben Davies is and is is worthy of just as much criticism as we give Dyer and if we're going to criticize Dyer for being too passive we should also criticize Romero for being too aggressive I I the, the lack of reading of the game is really, really concerning because we're talking mm. about a guy who's just won the World Cup. We've talked talk about a guy <laughs> who is Italian uh, Serie A defender of the year when we signed him. And we, he bought a lot of, he got a lot of credit in the bank for having a very good first season with us. Eric Dyer has had three or four good yeah. seasons oh, for Dyer us in his career. Arguably as good and last season for the most part. Dyer exactly. had a great season and last year. Eric Dyer's first season at centre-back and right back often as well uh, in the defence that was often yeah. shuffled around by Pochettino. He was a really, really promising player. He played really, mm. really well and his couple of seasons in central midfield next to Dembele, all right, so you might say easy job playing next to Dembele, anyone could, but <laughs> he did really, really well. So yeah. I think, I think right now, you, if you ask me, is Romero a better defender than Eric Dyer? I have to say, no. 
Is he mm. worse? I don't know. But he's not proven he's better, not based on what he's done in a Spurs shirt. And that's the only that's the only performances that I give a shit about. I don't care about Atalanta. <laughs> don't I don't care, care about, about the World Argentina. Cup. I no. I mean, Stefan Givash won the World Cup, leading the line for France <laughs> without scoring a single goal, and then went to Newcastle for half a season, and then Glasgow Rangers for another half a season, and yeah. finished the season with six total goals across the two leagues before going back to France for a one in three record for the rest of his career. Yeah. Before he won the World Cup, he had a one in two record. He's better than Harry Kane. Winning the World Cup does not make a, well quite because. He has a trophy in case, exactly. doesn't right? Mm-hmm. Winning the World Cup isn't going to make someone automatically a great player. And Romero could be a great player right now. The, the jury's out for me. And I think if you offered me money back to spend entirely on a centre back who doesn't make mistakes, even if they're not as good a passer, even if they mm. uh, don't have that sort of crowd boosting sort of fight about them, I'm taking it. If if you say, here's, here's your money back on Romero, 55, 60 million, whatever spent, mm. go and put it all on, I don't know enough about who's good in the world, to tell you the truth. That's to, easier said than done, say who, Yeah, but give it to a young version of Thiago Silva or something like that. Great. Just spend it on Thiago Silva. <laughs> well, quite. I mean, even at 35, he's superb. Chelsea but... needs some money back. <laughs> well, well, do they? I mean, Abramovich still pulls the strings, uh, according to some. Dave, your thoughts on young Christian Romero? So, yeah, my two inputs on that, uh, following on from that wonderful (laughs) diatribe from earlier. Um, It's interesting to note that the Argentina team weren't particularly good defensively. You know, the final ended 3 all. You know, you're not talking about an Italy team from 2006 who didn't concede any goals and Cannavaro was the star. That defence was Mm. shaky. So I'd I'd argue you could even take what he has achieved Mm. earlier for Argentina and roll that into the conversation that we're having about his his abilities. Uh, And then I think think to give him a bit of slack... You've got to look at the whole defence as well. There are five teams, I just looked. There are only five teams that have conceded more goals than you guys in the Premier League this season so far. It's a shaky defence. And and I think I said it. In fact, I did say it because I'm looking at the Twitter, the, the, the uh, WhatsApp group. As soon as somebody, I can't remember who it was, posted the lineup on Saturday um, before the Leicester game, I just went, wow, that back three. You guys are in trouble. <laughs> you weren't the only one, Dave. You were not the only one. I think the consensus is we need at least one defender, probably two. Going back to this whole kind of what's Conte doing point with that Leicester game, Romero suspended. Why did Tanganga start and not Sanchez? I know that Sanchez yeah. has its flaws. I know that we, we do get shaky whenever he's on the pitch, but he's had a good few dozen really good games for us as a centre-back in his time with us, at least. He's shown that he can play really, really well, whereas Tanganga after his early promise has really tailed off, why didn't Sanchez get the game? It it seems mad, especially when Sanchez stylistically does do a lot of what Romero is, uh, in theory, doing well as well. I think your point about the collective defence is really good. So we've shuffled a lot. Do we play a back five or a back three? Who knows? But essentially, back three, goalkeeper, two wing-backs. Lloris, Dyer and Romero have been the consistent ones. Longley and Davies have been rotated. Sessignon and Perisic have been rotated. And right wing-back has been everybody down to Doris the tea lady, but not Jed Spence. So I, I, I do think that lack of consistency in lineup probably doesn't help. Lloris is having a poor season. Dyer's having a poor season. Romero's having a poor season. Um, all three of them are, and they're meant to be the three sort of 
they're the three leaders in that collective as well. So, yeah. so, so it's almost like which one's being exposed by the other. Is Lloris looking worse because he's more exposed by centre-backs? Or is Dyer looking worse because he's constantly having to mop up for Romero being a nutcase? Or is Romero looking worse because he hasn't got a good experience guiding hand from either Lloris or Dyer to help him ply his trade as a young centre-back still trying to develop? So mm. it's kind of a case of who's letting who down. The answer to that is ultimately there's something that's not the right fit between that collection of players. And mm. when Emerson has played, and Emerson played well in our final run last season once Doherty got injured as well. When Emerson has played, and I know we love to rip into Emerson, but he at least protects the right-hand side of that defence. Going forward, it castrates us, but defensively, yeah. he actually does a really That's good job. I mean, is. I mean, Jack Grealish is still picking out Emerson's pocket <laughs> lint from his gelled <laughs> curtain, so... So he can actually do a good job there. And and yeah. at what point is which player exposing which player in, in that situation? Mm. The mere fact that we're even asking that question is massively concerning when you consider that you've got Lloris, France international captain, Dyer, 50-odd England caps, played at several international tournaments. Mm. Um, Romero just won the World Cup with Argentina, cost us somewhere around the 50 to 60 million mark as a player. Emerson, 30 million player. Porro, 45 million player. On the other side, Perisic, old, but comes with this huge reputation and having been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, won leagues and is a player that Conte specifically demanded and trusts. Sessignon, 25 million for a teenager. Like, we, we've not exact, Davinson Sanchez, who's the backup in all this, 42 yep. million. Like, yeah. We've we've put a lot of money into a failing part of the pitch, and that is true of so many areas of the pitch for us these days, apart from the front three, which actually I think we've gotten relatively right by and large. But yeah. when you look at that, when you look at the fact that Lacelso and and Dombele are out on loan, and we're going to get peanuts for them when they cost a combined hundred million, roughly. I mean, it just shows so much poor decision making throughout the club and the end result mm. is that we get dicked at Leicester. Exactly. Uh, a few points on that. I think one, I quite like the fact that Jack Grealish is fast becoming the new Sean Longstaff on this podcast. He seems to be the uh, target of most of your abuse and long may that continue. Um, the other thing, Elio, you, you made a point about Romero and Dyer specifically, I think in criticising both of them in their own individual ways, but as a duo, Dyer is kind of the extreme to a damaging mm. extent of the cover stopper FM dynamic where mm. one pushes on the other drops back but you suggested that they they do it to such a caricature that there's a massive gaping gap between the two of them that can be exploited yeah. and maybe that was an example of what we saw against Leicester I mean especially when you have a midfield that even when they are playing well individually and Hoiberg and Bentico have both individually had really good seasons um, mm. but somehow we do tend to get overrun maybe it's because we should be playing more than two midfields in a league where everyone else plays three who knows <laughs> I'm not being paid 15 million a year but um, as when, you so often remind us when we are sliced through right. like that and you have those two almost like 
both being the positive ends of the magnets and just repelling each other in opposite directions. It just it creates a gaping hole, and it's it's mm. it's not a problem that should exist, especially when your manager's reputation is meant to be for organising a team and getting the defensive side right first. What the fuck, Antonio? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Um, a few few final points before we move on to talk about the West Ham game on that. I think it was worth a shout out to Emerson. You touched on it. He had a good game. Two very good performances in a row from him, I would say. I thought he was very good in his last two performances if we don't count his substitute appearance against Leicester in which everyone was terrible. Um, Simon Kier seems to give Romero a bit of a lesson in how to push the line and get away with it. I think he could have been taking some notes because there was a lot yeah, of definitely. dark arts involved, I would say, in his treatment of Harry Kane, which was, from what I understand from interviews, very deliberate, which I'm not sure whether we should applaud or criticise, but it kind of worked. Well, let, let, let's see if it works in the return fixture. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that return fixture? Because, and Dave, like I know we talked about this before, you think... Not to say it's a good result. Obviously, you're never going to say that about a defeat, but you think we're still favourites heading into the home leg with just one goal to make up against a team who are not great, didn't really make a good impression for themselves in that match, and are obviously struggling in their own league. Yeah, you got you got to take you got to take one nil uh, away from home. I think, and especially I know I know they mentioned that they didn't have many chances, but. I mean, the two chances that did fall near the end of the game to Tiam and De Ketelet. Yeah, Ketelier, I have forgotten about that. If they'd right. have gone in, that would have been that would have been a game over. Yeah. We had De Ketelet header. Oh my god! Mm. We didn't sign. Oh we, my god! Also, yeah. the Milan stole him from us. We we were we were on the verge of signing. We'd agreed a fee with ah. Bruges. Oh, and they, I mean, yeah. yeah. He's 40, meant to be very 40 talented, million we but... were going to pay for him, and then he ended up going to AC Milan for forty million. Half that, I think. Forty wow. million. That gets wow. you one of Jack Grealish's curtains. And, and I, my other comment was on Jack Grealish. Surely, well, how many of your testicles? <laughs> surely, Jack Grealish gets uh, gets at least one good point for uh, for breaking some Arsenal hearts on Wednesday. Yes, yes, well yes. done, well he done, has Jack Grealish. Redeems himself. That's the thing. He's a c- against us, but he's a c- against everyone. So. <laughs> I feel like there's a song in there somewhere. Get working on that and come back to us. Um, <laughs> right. Any other orders of business for Milan? You mentioned forced to save. That was lovely save. Shame it meant nothing. And obviously the midfield we talked about, which I think takes me quite nicely on to the West Ham game because Hoiberg is back and available. And if I was a betting man, I would say he probably will start. But Elio, is there part of you that wants to see that same midfield too pick up where they left off in the West no. Ham game? No, Hoiberg no. needs to play. He's having a good season. He's yeah. he's scoring and making goals. He's the only real leader we've got left in midfield now. And he he may not be my favourite player, but he needs a wizened hand in the and that's what he brings. I think I'd play the three of them because none of our forwards are currently justifying yeah. us overloading in that part of the pitch. So I'd love to see a 3-5-2 with Kane plus one. And actually, that plus one probably isn't Kulisevsky also on at the moment. I'd like to see Richarlison, mm. who I think's had a couple of good cameos recently. Mm. Richarlison doing the running for Kane and Kane providing the finesse. Why not? I mean, I really do like the idea of having two number nines or nine and a half or whatever you want to call them, but two kind of good all-round forwards playing together. 
Keenan Berbatov, obviously one of the best partnerships we've we've had at Spurs, Sheringham Klinsman, Sheringham Shearer for England, Cole mm. York. I, I I like partnerships like that. I I, yeah. I hate that it's gone out of fashion so so much, and you always have to have the second striker, the number ten, the inside forward. Just play two f- forwards <laughs> once. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd love to see a Kane Richarlison combo. Yeah. Give Kulusevski and Son collectively a kick up the arse. Mm. Who send a message? Because I think they both need it and. Try something different. Don't keep repeating the thing that's not working. A quick shout out to Richarlison, actually. And can somebody please go and dust off that cabinet? Because he is in the final three for what would be Spurs' third Puskas Award winner for his incredible overhead kick in the World Cup. I don't know if you guys it wasn't have seen. For us, though. Have you? I know, but we will take it. Come on, we'll take it. Point? Just like we took the World Cup from Romero. Um, do you guys see the goals that he's up against? So one of them is Dimitri Payet with a veritable thunder bastard. But did you see the guy on the crutches? Yeah. Um, in some kind of um, disabled discipline football. I'm not sure exactly it's what, it, what it was called. Finish, but yeah. the guy's on crutches and he pulls off a bicycle kick from some distance. And I would almost feel quite bad if he doesn't win as much as I'd love to see Richarlison and therefore Spurs get one. I think Richardson's going to win, and I think I think FIFA are actually trolling you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only trophy you're ever going to win, but you are going to win it every they know year. What they're doing, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, as we often do on the Plus Day podcast, and it is often my fault, I must admit, we're going off on a tangent. Um, let's talk about West Ham then, Dave. Uh, I often come to you to to be our opposition scout and to tell me what we can I mean, expect. He's going to be the biggest Spurs fan going on Sunday. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I imagine looking at the league table, uh, they sit just a point ahead of you, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. With you just on the right side of the line for the relegation zone, you could love a Spurs win. Is it going to happen? Uh, are West Ham a force to be reckoned with? And does it matter? Is this just going to be one of those games where Mikel Antonio decides to turn into prime Didier Drogba and teach us a lesson? Yeah, um, West Ham are a bit of a weird one at the moment. I mean, they, they, they have picked up on, in a, bit, on a bit of form uh, recently. They're unbeaten in the last three games. And Jared Bowen is a constant threat. Uh, Mikel Antonio hasn't really been as uh, at the forefront as you would expect. And I think Skamaka, who they, who they paid a lot of money for in the summer, he's had, he's had fits and starts, but he's not necessarily a guaranteed starter either. Um, but they do have a lot of quality in the team. I mean, when, when we played them, um, the goal scorers were Skamaka and Paqueta. Mm. I mean, the fact that those two people play for West Ham is a bit insane. <laughs> um, but, but that said, they don't score many goals. They don't concede that many goals, but they don't score many goals. I think they've got less than a goal a game so far uh, in the in the season. So yeah, I would give this. I would say this is a good opportunity for your your defense to get some confidence back and hopefully get a clean sheet. Elio, Sunday four thirty at home. I suspect you will be there watching. I will um, be there. You do not like seeing this fixture, do you? How are you feeling ahead of it? <sighs> the Harry Redknapp derby. <laughs> not quite. Um, it, it's their cup final. It's their biggest game of the season. They they think they're relevant to us and they pipe up about it. Their fans decide to start smashing up Tottenham High Street before the game and <laughs> all sorts. So West Ham are massive. I, yeah, big, big club. They won the World Cup, don't you know? Um, exactly. I think that... West Ham are a really poor side. I think David Moyes has lost the players. I think that I look at them and don't, even with a good player like Jared Bowen, who I'd love us to go for if they go down, um, I don't really see where the goals come from in their sides. I'll be really disappointed if 
uh, mm. we don't turn our form around this Sunday. And without wanting to keep going on about the Conte not being there may be a good thing. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to speak ill of a man who is currently ill. Yep. I expect us to to win this game and to play better football than we have done in the last few fixtures. Well, I must say, Leo, that would give me immense confidence had you not preceded the Spurs-Leicester game by saying that they should just award us with a ceremonial 2-0 victory <laughs> and give Harry Kane two goals because it was a foregone conclusion. But let's hope we, we do a better job in this game. Uh, you mentioned Conte. Let's talk about Conte. I think this is as good a time as any. Um, I think, first of all, it's worth professing all of this stuff by saying, you know, the guy is a, he's a human being. He's had a horrible year, I think it's fair to say. Obviously, we we all know about the various close friends and colleagues that he's lost this year and he's had his health problems and everything that, that's going on with it. And we can all sit here and, and criticise him on a, on a footballing level and that's what we're going to do. And he's he's obviously signed up for that. But he's, he's going for a tough time at the moment. And, and the latest is he is recovering back in Italy. I think he might have rushed back slightly after his surgery and he's, he's going to take a week back at home to recover. Uh, lots of rumours circulating as a result, as they always are, that we might have seen the end of him as Spurs manager. There's rumours is that this is a bit of a smoke screen and any minute now there's going to be the announcement that Conte's party ways with Spurs. This is based on nothing but speculation. I don't know. Um, Elio, do you know anything that I don't on this matter? Do you have any suspicions? Uh, and what would you like to see happen at this point? I don't know anything that you don't. Um, I, I hear and read the same stuff as you. What mm. I would say is Conte hasn't signed a new contract. The players don't really seem like they're enjoying playing for him on the whole. And much as I do like him as a personality, I think that it's going to be hard for the board to ignore quite how dissatisfied the fans are yeah. with a lot of uh, what we're seeing at the moment. Um, also, like I've told you before, when fans criticise the manager, the board doesn't really listen. When fans start criticising the board, the board changes the manager. And the fans yeah. are really criticising the board lately. Um <laughs> Somewhat yeah. fairly in some ways, unfairly in others. And mm. and I, I think I'd be very surprised if Conte is our manager next season. I'm not even convinced he'll be our manager by the end of this season, to tell you the truth. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this sort of time in Italy runs now until... Yeah the summer and we have a very swift changeover from him to Moshe Pochettino. I mean, there has to be a reason why Pochettino hasn't yet got a job when he's been by far the best manager on the market for a good period of time in terms of Premier League proven managers. And there have been a lot of good jobs come up. I mean, Everton, Aston Villa, Wolves, these are good clubs, good fan bases, good histories, all of them would be attractive clubs for someone like Pochettino and Pochettino would definitely be attractive to all of those as compared to the, maybe not Wolves so much because they got Lopetegui, but as compared to what they ended up with. And they, they got good managers as well. All of them, obviously, Dyke is a good manager. Lopetegui is a good manager. Emery is a good manager. Pochettino, in terms of what he's done in the Premier League, yeah. is would have been the horse to bet on. And the fact that he hasn't gone to them, I think it means he's coming to us. I really do. And it might be 2 plus 2 equals 70, (laughs) but I'm a dreamer. You are. And Spurs is my nightmare. Imagine going from Mbappe to Mopé. That would be a hell of a jump, wouldn't it? Um, Yeah, I think it does stand to reason. And I, I think I'd be very surprised if there haven't at least been some conversations if not recently, at some point in in that time while he's been out of the job. I'm sure he's in touch with the club on some level or another, even if only as a contingency plan. 
Pochettino bought his house um, that he'd previously been renting from them from my father's old employers in Oh, we've got um, some ITK. I've North got London. some ITK for you as well in a minute, have you? And Pochettino bought that from my dad's old employers. And I know it is fact that he has yet to sell that house despite having <laughs> uh, not lived in London for several years. Well, I'll raise you that. Elio, um, uh, a very old friend of mine who you also know quite well, who um, I've lost touch with to an extent um, over the last few years, but was very close with him back when I was a child. Daniel Lacey, son of Tottenham Hotspur ex-footballer John Lacey, um, who is actually a professional golf coach who likes to post photos on Twitter of him with his clients. And many of his clients, and I saw the due one with to his connections yeah. with, with the club, are, of course, ex-Spurs players. And um, he's posted a recent photo of him playing golf in London with Pochettino and Ozzy Ardiles and his father, which was a lovely photo. And um, yeah, there's been a lot of sightings of Pochettino lurking around London, which is obviously interesting. So, um, it's like, so, yeah. where's Wally? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Hopefully he's not a Wally and hopefully he is the saviour and the messiah and he's going to bring the us back to the glory I days. Mean, people say never go back and people also say Pochettino deserved to go in the end and yeah. that he... There's people who say he underachieved with the best squad Spurs have ever had. What a load of bollocks. Pochettino was... And I've, I've had this mm. rant already in a previous episode so I'm not going to repeat it. Pochettino worked wonders for us and yeah. he gave me some of the very best memories I've had as a Spurs fan, bar maybe one, and that was the League Cup final win with the Woodgate header. So I, I genuinely, yeah, that that was uh, one for, for Dave to get happy about as well. Uh, <laughs> so I I don't subscribe to the never go back thing or the fact that all the underachieve thing. I think he did a great job for us. And I think the only way Pochettino comes back is if he's given assurances that he will get the kind of backing that and the kind of painful rebuild that he didn't get last time around. And, yeah. yeah. And if he gets that, I think he returns. And you look at some of the players we have, I would love to see Benton Core playing under Pochettino. Mm. I mean, we saw what he did with Dembele, so I would love to see Benton Core. I'd love to see Kulusevski, Richarlison under Pochettino. I mean, yeah. that, that, that is yeah. a yeah. nightmare for opposition defenders. Yeah, um, I think even if it means we lose Kane and Son, you know what? Mm. Things change and sometimes you have to move but on. Who better and... to rebuild a young squad if we do lose the older statesman like exactly. Kane and Son than Pochettino? That's what he did. That's what he made his name on. And, I mean, Pochettino may even be able to calm Romero down. Who knows? <laughs> um, and also, you look at some of the Maybe it's a language barrier. Of... Maybe you just need someone like... to speak to him in Spanish. Like, to tell you look him at to... some of the wingbacks and the fullbacks we have at the club. Look at what he did with Walker and Rose. I mean, Carl Walker is the player he is purely because of Mauricio Pochettino. Pep mm. has done nothing to improve Carl Walker. Pep got the finished product with Carl Walker. Mm. You look at Pedro Porro. You look at um, Jed Spence coming through. You look at Udogi about to come from, back from oh, yeah. Italy. You you look mm. at um, even Sessegnon, uh, let's say. I mean, we know my opinions on Sessegnon, but even Sessegnon. Yeah. You look at these guys. These guys are the mould of what Pochettino loves in yeah. an attacking fullback, which is so key to his system. So... I, I think there'd be a lot of excitement. Yeah. To come. There'd need to be money spent. We need to sort out the centre-back situation. We need a new goalkeeper. If we lose Harry and Son, all right, I think Richarlison replaces Son. We definitely mm. have to throw money at a uh, top, top-class replacement for Harry. But mm. there, there are the makings of a really good Pochettino side in this squad. 
Just on that point earlier, because this has just reminded me, talking about the idea of Pochettino, you mentioned a couple of players there. Um, there's a lot of talk on Twitter about, oh, what do we do with these wingbacks now if we lose Conte? Because apparently no other manager in world football plays 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, obviously, Pochettino has been a proponent of both uh, a back four or back three slash five. Do you see him coming in and kind of picking up with a similar formation? Or do you think he'd play four at the back? And if so, where does that leave some of oh. our fullbacks slash wingbacks? I mean... Would Regulon come back into the fold, potentially? We could bring him back. Players like Por... I mean, I think Regulon under Pochettino would be a sight to behold, yeah. quite frankly. That's uh, what I'm thinking. I think Regulon under Pochettino would be really great to watch. Mm. Um, he's got that energy and that needle and that aggression and pace, importantly. Yeah. Um, it's different options, anyway, I, isn't I it? don't buy this whole, a wingback can't be a fullback, a fullback can't be a no. wingback. I mean, the, these guys are meant to be top footballers. It... it if if you can play, if you can't Romero, defend, you shouldn't be a wing back, exactly. right? Well, quite. So Perisic, right, Perisic may not. Perisic <laughs> may not be a, a left back or even an attacking left back, but mm. Perisic could be an option for the front three in that situation. Yes, because um, it, it, let's say we go to four two three one, then you've got your options for the front four being all right. Let's say we don't lose Kane and Son for argument's sake. You've got Kane, Son, Kulazewski. You've got Richarlison, Danjuma, if we keep him or if we don't, we'll probably replace him. Brian Hill coming back. Um, Lucas will be gone, but you've got Perisic. You've got lots of players to fill out those slots. Yeah. Um, I, I think... Udogi, look at the size of the guy, the aggression of the guy when oh, he he's plays. He's such an exciting uh, prospect. Spence on the other side. Why do they just have to be wingbacks? We're talking about young men here who have their whole careers ahead of them. I mean, there's no mm. reason why they can't play fullback or wingback. Uh, I don't know what Pochino would do. Like, say he's a proponent of both formations. He played the best version of a back of a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 that I've ever seen at Spurs. Because um, yeah. it actually had... It was possession-hungry and high-pressed despite being a 3-4-3. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, in any way sort of this kind of rope-a-dope style that Conte likes to play. So, like I said, we've got the makings of a good Pochettino squad there. Surely he could be the man to convince Son and or Kane to stay. They must love him. They would They would be well, so happy magic, to see him back. He's magic, you know? He is. I have heard it be said, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, if you're, if you're a betting man, who do you think is going to be Spurs manager? next season would it be Conte will it be Pochettino or will it be another unnamed party and if so who's your hot tip or who would you recommend who do you think Spurs could do with and don't say Frank Lampard Hmm. Um, no one (laughs) no one deserves Frank Lampard Um, yeah apart from Chelsea Poch sure yeah <laughs> Case closed. All right. Well, let's see it. I think. Yeah. I mean, Elias Elio sold me. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would probably believe it. I probably believe more in the duck go back than Elio does. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if 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 he can get a tune out of him, he can get a tune out of him. Yeah. Then, then that's well, good. I think. Worst realistic case, I mean, you never know, it could be an absolute disaster, but I think worst case, we will play nice, exciting football, even if we continue to win nothing, which I think most people will take over the current state of affairs. So, you know, on yeah, that basis, play yeah. good football it and makes win nothing sense. And bad football and win nothing. Exactly. That is, that is definitively Spursy. Well, look, I mean, obviously one of the things that it may depend on in terms of who comes in, if somebody comes in and indeed whether our next manager is sufficiently backed is our ownership. And there's a lot of talk at the moment, uh, which I just wanted to touch on 
Amazon. We are potentially the subject of an upcoming bid by a private equity billionaire from the States, Najafi, part of MSC Sports Capital, a um, private equity business who specializes in buying sports teams. They're known for their involvement with the Phoenix Suns. They are part investors in McLaren as well, as well as many other teams, football teams, in fact, across so Europe. So a lot of failing sports franchises. Yeah, it's it's. I think a lot of our fans are jumping for joy at the idea of anyone but Enoch, as you would expect. I think, as we mentioned before, a large proportion of our fan base would welcome a complete takeover by the Taliban if it meant Levy was shifted out. Um, but uh, at the very least, it seems like... The Taliban like have a lot of money. Heroin's big business. <laughs> well, it, it appears these guys have a lot of money. The, the, the figures being thrown around for the takeover, or the bid at least, is uh, $3.75 which includes um, $750 million of added debt. Um, I think the understanding that's circling the papers is that Levy and Lewis value the club higher shock um so there could be something there so we'll see um elio again i suspect you're going to tell me you haven't heard anything that i haven't and um there's only limited information and it's, it's always pinch of salt with these sort of rumors but uh, first of um, all do you see it materializing is there anything that's led you to think that this might happen and if so would you be happy about it who knows i mean there was the there was a singaporean businessman not too long ago who lost a huge chunk of his fortune that had mm. been linked for quite a few years um so i think yeah. i think we've been fighting with the sale for a while in fact i know for a fact and i actually do know for a fact that <laughs> legit we've been open to it, but that we have been too greedy in our valuation i know that seems like okay obviously you can say that because that's what everyone else is saying but it's been a good few years this comes from someone who's close to paul kelmsley mm. paul kelmsley uh and when i say close i mean like dancing with his daughter at her wedding close right uh, right and and there's definitely been an openness to something for a good while but mm. ultimately in in it for the the big pension at the end of it and yeah. and why shouldn't i, they I, I can't i can't, can't criticize well, yeah, i'm not going to criticize for that them for that what i will say is that these new prospective owners i don't know anything about them if they bid and they get the club then I'll embrace it from the little I've researched about them. There doesn't listen. None of these guys are squeaky clean if yeah, they have that much yeah. money. But, but it's all about this. knowing where your line is. I yeah. can't seem to trace any kind of human rights atrocity, any kind of uh, hatred of LGBTQ plus or no. any kind of um, dehumanization of women back to these guys. So. No. All right, that's a low bar, but... <laughs> Sadly, that is where the bar lies in football nowadays. Um, but yeah, as long I... as it doesn't involve murder and and atrocious views, I should, then... I should laugh. It's, it's just the ridiculous standard of uh, as long as murderers, actual murderers, do not overtake us, then I guess that's okay. I mean, it's better than Newcastle, who actual well, murderers did take over. So... I mean, to be fair, I've, I've, I've had a similar thought process earlier, and I looked into it, and, and I think there are conflicting reports about you know some of the extra capital being made up by various investors in the Gulf, which God knows what that does mean, which I think any major company has, you know, Saudi Arabian investment when the Newcastle thing was happening. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of Newcastle fans saying, yeah, but every product you use is part owned by Saudi Arabia. You can't avoid, avoid it. Um, but for the most part, majority owners would be at least by billionaire standards, relatively um, non-reprehensible humans by the looks of it. So it, it kind of made me feel like... God, you know, the reaching we're doing here. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, you know, you know when we play, you know when we play that, FIFA, I don't ball. know what rules you play, Dave, but you know when we play FIFA and you have that rule where you randomize and you have a certain number and you, you can maybe go to your fifth team and, and you, you get to the fourth one and you've got maybe like, I don't know, West Ham Stick or something and you're like, 
it could definitely be better, but it could be a lot worse. So maybe I'll cash in on this and take West Ham and not try and go for PSG. I feel like that's where we are now because we've had the QSI, we've seen Newcastle, we've seen you know some of the the horrible owners that, that could be sniffing around. Maybe maybe if we had the luxury of saying take it or leave it, this would be a good moment. But it remains to be seen. So so let's see. Either way, let's hope that they start doing a Todd Bowley and throwing ridiculous money around like there's no tomorrow and we sign a bunch of Galacticos. Or do we hope that, Elio? Would you rather would you rather see us take a Newcastle approach to our spending and be a bit more sensible and gradual, or would you want to see someone come in and throw six hundred million around and act like we're playing football manager unlimited money cheap? I I mean the thing is they could throw six hundred million around and it still guarantees nothing yeah. other than one season of Liverpool. Manchester City are winning every league for the past half a decade the, yeah. since Chelsea won it basically. The other billionaires. The Premier League I mean, there'll be six billionaire that, that already is. Um because yeah. in fact there's much more than six billionaire Premier League owned teams. I'm pretty sure Leeds are billionaire owned as well. I think every team in the Premier League pretty much yeah. is billionaire owned. So I mean Nottingham Forest are owned by a billionaire, a, a very dodgy uh, Greek shipping magnets. So, yeah. um, Nine of the 20 so, richest clubs in the world are in the Premier League, I believe. Exactly. Or or so it yeah. guarantees nothing yeah, yeah. throwing all that money around. What I'd say is it would be nice to get excited about being linked to Mbappe instead of Mope. <laughs> Mbappe to Spurs, you heard it here first. Uh, let's well, see. I think it, the he thing was is, asked it's... the question by Spider Man, and he broke Spider Man's little spider heart. So yeah, didn't he laugh? Didn't he laugh when he was he asked yeah. if he was going to Spurs? Yeah, that says it all, doesn't it? Really, um, I think it's, it's wages, isn't it? Though that's the thing. I think everyone talks about transfer fees because it's Hollywood, but in reality, they mean very little. I mean, how much does Harlan cost because of his release? Well, he won't have a transfer fee, will he? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Well, should we talk about the fact that Spurs are? in the waiting list to be awarded the League Cup when Man City are stripped of all of their titles. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> Ryan Mason is going to be a I would rather not Spurs talk about that. <laughs> no, I, I, would, I would rather... You made your thoughts um, on Man City very clear in, in yeah. the last episode, I think. Uh, well, look, that's... Um, I think it's quite telling, just one point on that, I think it's quite telling that a lot of, if not all, of the managers that are asked questions about this that aren't Pep Guardiola are saying exactly the same thing. I haven't got a comment on that. Exactly. Um, I think I think it's probably I, because they think there's there's some absolute something absolutely in it, and they're keeping quiet so that the lawyers yeah. don't have anything. And if you listen to Guardiola, it's all Evie's fault anyway. Levy's the one who started it. If you're unfamiliar with what I'm referring to, it's a, yeah, basically Guardiola said, oh, of course all the other Premier League clubs have it in for us and they're against us. Ask any of the CEOs. Ask Levy. He specifically name-dropped Daniel Levy, which was very strange and just goes he, to Levy show that he lives, he lives rent-free in that bald head of I mean, his. I tell you what, Pep, when you can get your team to score just one solitary goal at half stadium <laughs> that Levy built, then... <laughs> Then we might take you seriously. For now, you're just a big bald wanker and you're a checkbook manager. <laughs> I was about to say something and it was good. I had some gold. Anyway, um, what I did want to say... I know, but I want to have dinner. What I did want to say, I, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I'm sure you'll be delighted to hear there's a, a charity football match being hosted in support of Essex and Hearts Air Ambulance and it's a Spurs Invitational Charity 11 that appears to basically be Harry Redknapp's team coming back 
to play as a full 11 against a celebrity invitational 11. All I'll say is they better bring some good celebrities because there's Robbie Keane, there's Van der Vaart, there's Tom Hoddleston, there's Sandro, there's Defoe, there's Kabul. That, that looks interesting. So uh, I'll double check what that is. Or maybe I'll share that on Twitter and post it to you guys to see. Right, before I wrap things up, I know you guys are dying to go and have your dinner. Elio, Dave, any final thoughts on anything we discussed today? Spurs in general, Jack Grealish, Dirty Billionaires. The floor is yours. He's magic, you know, Mauricio Pochettino. Indeed. And I'd like to leave you with a quote here, which would not seem out of place coming from the mouth of either Sol Campbell or indeed Eric Cantona. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Do you know who said that? Sol Campbell. Arnold Danjuma on Twitter yesterday <laughs> with no context. I don't know why, but it, it sounds extremely profound. Brilliant. Well, thank you all for sticking with us. Sorry there's no challenge earlier this week, but I think we can all agree there's been plenty in this one and we don't need it. Thank you, Elio. Thank you, Dave, for sticking through this and for your contributions as always. You stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>